everyone remain calm. Welcome to the 97th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we've got a quick news update for those who didn't get a chance to listen to our special update episode just yet. After that, we've got another edition of Jurassic Pop Quiz with James Hawkins and Steve Hurl from Jurassic Unicast. This time around, they test Jennifer Tarek's knowledge on the Jurassic series. You won't want to miss that one. We'll follow that one up with some more secret information from our informant Travis Stevens in his segment, Chaos Theories. This time around, he's got some really great info on who little Kathy Bowman from The Lost World may have grown up to be. After that, we've got another great installment of Amber Finds, where Mr. J Jurassic himself kicks off his month-long look at items from The Lost World. You'll be hearing from him each week in the month of May. And uh, finally, after that, we'll wrap up the show with a look at the making of The Lost World. Each episode this month, aside from our big 100th episode, will give you a look at the making of The Lost World. The 20th anniversary is coming up real fast, so we wanted to treat you with some fun audio from the collector's VHS from back in the day. I know I used to watch this making of special over and over, so hopefully it gives you some time to reminisce too. It's another jam-packed episode this week with tons of contributors, so let's get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, we hate being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. All right, let's not beat around the bush here. Jeff Goldblum is back in the sequel to Jurassic World. After so many years being absent from the sequel, we got little hints of him in Jurassic World with his book and whatnot, Chaos Theory, all that. Um, So it's great to finally get confirmation that he will be back dressed in black, hopefully, and, uh, you know, gracing us with his presence in this sequel to Jurassic World. Now, The Hollywood Reporter reported this probably about mid last week. And uh, of course, we posted an episode as soon as it happened. Uh, I got Chris Lanham and uh, Jarrett Courtney to come on and talk about this. So if you haven't listened to that special episode yet, we we gave a great like 30 minute or plus uh, uh, discussion about where we think he'll go, uh, what we think this whole you know announcement means, if there's going to be anything else involved. It was a long discussion, full of great stuff. But uh, as of right now, we don't really know what the role's going to be. I mean, obviously, it's Ian Malcolm. Uh, we don't know how big of a role it's going to be. It did say he's going to be appearing in this movie. So, you know, that spectrum could be anywhere from a cameo to a bigger role. Um, now, is it going to be something that's maybe bigger than Dr. Wu had in Jurassic World? His role was still pretty small in that movie, uh, much bigger than it was in Jurassic Park. But uh, 
I don't know, it was, his was more of a, ca uh, not a cameo, it was bigger than a cameo for sure, but I personally think Jeff Goldblum's have gonna have a bigger presence, certainly than even Dr. Wu had in Jurassic World. Something that, uh, you know, makes more of an impression and means a lot more to this series. And uh, I don't know, this whole time, as this whole announcement's going on, he's off in Australia, you know, giving away sausages or something in a food truck. So, you know, it's not hot on his mind at the moment, but with all of us in the fandom, we're going crazy. We love this. We can't wait to see what he does in this movie. Um, and just recently, I think it was Frank Marshall that said that they're at the halfway point in shooting for this movie. Uh, so as of I know, you know, as far as I know, he hasn't really been spotted in the UK filming for anything just yet. So maybe he's going to be doing some island shooting. Uh, that's, you know, speculation. Or maybe there's somewhere else he's going to be shooting. I personally, I don't know how, how they'd get him back on an island. That doesn't make much sense to me. He's gone through so much trauma so far. I, you know, there's no way he's going to get back on that island. But, uh, you know, Grant said the same thing and they, they happened to rope him back in there too. So... Who really knows at this point? I personally hope it's a bigger role, you know, maybe on par with what we see from Bryce and Chris in this movie. Hopefully he's kind of like another lead. Um, but, you know, who knows? It's all up in the air at the moment. I can't wait to learn more and uh, certainly go back and listen to our special episode where we talked all about it. It was a lot of fun and I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, well, there it is. There it is. I have good reason to believe that you would find this challenging. You should hear a four-year-old try to say archaeornithomimus. You should hear you try to say Even problem-solving intelligence, especially the big one. Well, this madness must stop. Now. Are you, sir? I know, gentlemen. How did you know? <laughs> one drop of this can paralyze you, so watch out. Thank God. Is this real? Yes. It is? Jurassic Pop Quiz with Jurassic Unicast. And welcome back to Jurassic Unicast. I'm one of your hosts, James, and I'm joined with... Stephen Harrell. Stephen and I have uh, finally got our next guest. Some may know her as her hard work on the BDH network. To us, she's that strange woman who has never seen the lost world. But to most, the wonderful Jennifer Terrick. How are you? How's life your side of the pond? <laughs> That was the best intro ever, and I'm never going to live down that lost world. I'm never going to live it down, and I probably will never see it, so it's going to exist No, forever. you must. You must. <laughs> it oh, needs to be man. done. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. How's, uh, what you been up to then, recently? Um, recently, not, not too much. I mean, we, we did that big meetup a couple weeks ago. Yeah, how was that? In Philly. That was so cool. That was amazing. There was like 100 people there. And I kind of wish everyone had name tags with their um, Twitter handles because I probably knew most of them, but yet I knew <laughs> nobody at the same time. Everyone was introducing himself by what's your Twitter handle. And then people would be like, oh, okay, I'll follow you. Oh, and it was really fun and really awesome. And everyone had Jurassic shirts on. And, and we I got to hang out with the Jurassic Outpost guys a lot. And and go do everything that they did and at the end of the day got to go behind the scenes of the exhibition and see how dinosaurs worked and everything it was really really fun day it was long but really fun day yeah it did look they have really more good meetups like that did look really good yeah yeah i saw the photos from uh that chris had put on when he was controlling one of the, i think it was a t-rex wasn't it 
Yeah, with the computer. That looked, that looked really cool. That that sort of side of it would have really interested me, actually, just to see how they worked. Yeah, all from one computer. Like, you just push a button, and it does whatever it's supposed to. And we went behind it after that, and they, like, kind of unwrapped the back of it, and we looked inside and saw the mechanics. And you'd think there'd be a lot more in there, but it's pretty hollow. There's not much mechanics in there, and it still operates, like, really smooth. Amazing. It was really neat. It was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad they let me in on that. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, um, uh, obviously. So, how many people did you actually have you uh, had you have met before the exhibition? Um, Josh and Brad and that Jay Jurassic. Oh yeah. Um, and then Aaron, don't know his Twitter handle, but he went with us because Brad had a meetup in January, first weekend of January, and we went to that. The four of us. Four. am I counting myself? Five. Five of us. And uh, yeah, yeah, I remember and you Aaron that, went. Actually. Yeah, and Aaron went with that, but he couldn't go to the. I think he's from Toronto or something. He couldn't go to this one. But um, those are the only ones I met in person before. But a lot of these people that were here, I was following them. They were following me. There's still people I'm seeing post pictures that I follow, and I'm like, I had no idea you were there. I didn't even say hello to them. I had no idea who they were, but I've been following them apparently. It's just yeah, a that's, weird that's the thing. thing. Like, I guess how many was it? Uh, was it was it mainly men that were there? No, no, I would there wasn't. Say there was a lot of women. There were I, all ages just, too. Oh, really? I was just the only reason I was saying that is mainly because I was thinking if there was a lot more men than there were women, like they'd probably be able to spot you and notice you more because <laughs> there's less of you. If you get what I mean? Yeah. No, I I didn't really know what to expect, but no, that was pretty even. Maybe. 60-40 more men, but it was pretty even. And there was all ages, and people were bringing their whole family and, like, their, their parents or their kids or whatever. I mean, there was the people in the picture, like, holding the signs when we were on the steps. That was the base people, but throughout the day, throughout the actual movie part where you had to be there at a certain time, there was 100 people that signed up for that. And it, that was wow. really, really neat. Yeah, you got to mingle with everybody. It was cool. Did you uh, enjoy it second time around more than the first? Um, I actually, I'm really, really, really glad I experienced it the way I did the first time because the way we did it, we, we weren't on any time crunch at all. And we, as a group, were able to go through and spend as much time at the beginning. We spent like 20 minutes just at the gates. No exaggeration. <laughs> really? And it took, it took us like three hours to go through the whole thing. But with this group, you kind of only had a certain time limit and there was much more people. You were more packed in and... It would be too hard to focus because you're you're trying to not miss everything else that goes on the rest of the day. And I'm so glad I experienced it the first time. Even Chris um, at Jurassic Outpost and Jack, they were saying that they went through the exhibition, but they actually don't remember it because you're yeah, just kind of going. Yeah, and you're not taking pictures and it's hard. Yeah, yeah that's the I thing. Think... I found that with... Uh... Sorry, Steve, go on. That's right, yeah, because I was saying, we think we saw um, quite a lot of the live footage that Brad was taking. I think you were just in certain areas for like an hour and you had like three or four tour groups walking past yeah you kept emptying out and then the, because you you come in like in the on the boat and then they'd come in a group and then the next group go on the boat and then they'd come in a group and that all goes through and would be at the gates for like three groups would go by and then it'd be so <laughs> quiet and it would just be you and that was the best part because it was like just you in here and then the whole crowd would come through again but those moments of just you and 
quiet with the dinosaurs and the gates like that that I, I wouldn't have had that the second time and Jack and Chris and them didn't have that so that's why I'm glad Shy I did go first yeah unless they went the next day because they they were staying another day and I'm sure they could have got it if they wanted to <laughs> so yeah. maybe they did I don't know yeah no it sounds cool um wait it sounds similar to actually to uh, over here we've got the Harry Potter uh studio tour Oh, I've heard of that. Which is, uh, it's just on the outskirts of London. And um, it was only supposed to be going for a few years, but it's been so popular by demand that they've just had it. I reckon it's gone, it's got to be five, six years now, isn't it, Steve? Surely. Yeah, I think it's looking at permanent. permanent yeah, I've I've been, they're constantly upgrading it. You know, you know how the, the one in Florida, they like, they brought in the, the train and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing? Well, over here, it was literally, there was free, you, you start off, you go into like, this main hall lobby, and you get your uh, your tickets to go in, and you've got the cupboard under the stairs, and then you go into this big, like almost like a theatre, cinema sort of screen, and uh, it takes you into the Great Hall, and then you're in the Great Hall, and it, it's like, you're like, oh my God, wow, because you're mm. actually in the Great Hall, and it's the perfect scale as well. And But like like you said, you, you kind of feel like you're, you're rushed, but I was in there for so long, and yeah. the, the guards were like, Come on, you need to move on now. This area is the area you have to move on from. You can't stay in here. I was like, but I want to stay in here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, luckily with Jurassic though, you don't have that at all. Once you get on in the boat room, I guess they call it, and that lets you out, you're not supervised at all. You could stay in one room for six hours until they close if you wanted to. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with the Harry Potter. You, the first section you have to go through and go like you have to go through. But after that is like the Jurassic World one where you can stay mm. as long as you want, but you can't go back. Oh, okay, you can't yeah. go back into a previous room, but you can, however, stay and take as many pictures as you want and for as long as you want in one room. It goes from in the Harry Potter one, it goes from uh, the Great Hall into the uh, sets so you got like the, uh, the the dining room, not dining room, sorry, the uh, the dorms and mm-hmm. Dumbledore's office and Snape's chemistry room, things like that. And then it moves on into like the, the special effects, like all the makeup artists, the, the prosthetic masks and all that sort of stuff. And then goes outside to the, the big night bus and private drive and stuff. But they've added a lot more since, which has been really cool. Um, so they wow. have like... The actual props and sets and stuff? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. It was actually really filmed cool. at that location, at that studio. Oh my. Any, wow, Harry Potter fans, no wonder they're not going to get rid of that. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's it's crazy really cool. for that. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. And it's, it's all genuine, authentic as well. Like You can see it is, it's perfect. Um, but that's the thing. Like You do stay for ages. And uh, But I, I went and took loads of photos and didn't really take it in. So I was mm-hmm. kind of can feel for Chris and Jack in that respect and the same sort of thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're getting so sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, you can just talk forever, can't you? Um, yeah. Okay, right, question time. So. We're going to start off quite lightly, aren't we, James? And... Well, <laughs> you can say, mm, yeah, okay. Um, Steve, are you uh, ready for a countdown? Yes. You are. Okay. Right, Jen, mm-hmm. tell me when. Sorry, uh, Steve, tell me when. Wait, what do I do? Just answer I'll tell, as quickly? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, yeah. You go answer as quickly as you can, all right? Okay. Steve, tell me when you got the timer. Yep. Um, in three, two, 
one. Okay, name as many characters as possible in 30 seconds. Go. Claire, Owen, oh my God. Ellie, Grant, Malcolm, Hammond, Kelly, Malcolm number two, um, Amanda, Billy, what's his name? Eric, no, that's ten. Oh my gosh, um, the dinosaur scout. No. <laughs> Keep going, come on. I don't know. Oh, 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 no. no, that's bad. I may have miscounted one. It might be 12, but that's not... Do you know what? It's That's that's quite hard when you're under pressure, especially when that time was going. <laughs> Eric! Eric is his Eric. name! Oh How could we forget that? Eric! <laughs> that's just like drilled. Uh... <laughs> oh, good start, good start. I like that, Jen. Okay, question two. Despite your love of uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, mm-hmm. who is more badass as a character? Ellie... Claire, Amanda, or Sarah? Oh, Amanda. No. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh. Okay. Heart okay. You can't say Sarah, can you? Because you've never seen it. <laughs> oh. but, see, this is kind of unfair because we haven't seen Claire all the way through. So we don't know if... Okay, what, so, why judge on what so we've far. seen. Okay, so, so far. Well, so far. Hmm. Oh, man. I, you know I don't want to... Not say Claire because I, I love her so much, and it's nothing to do with Bryce to be honest. Because I, I, my love for Claire comes from she's a normal person. She's not super athletic. She's she's not Ellie at all, and Ellie's just kind of born to do that. And Claire's not, and she's that anyway. Yeah, I gotta go with Claire because she's not naturally that way, but yet she she did it anyway, and she was awesome, and she pulled it out. <laughs> I have to do that. I have. I can't. I have yep, to go there. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. No worries. Good answer. Right. You have been offered two jobs at Jurassic World Park before everything went down. Your mm. two jobs are: you get to choose which one. Would you rather be a T-Rex teeth brusher? Mm-hmm. So you have to brush the teeth of a T-Rex. Okay. Or give the IREX a massage. <laughs> I would rather massage the Irex, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anybody's teeth, I mean. I mean, you could use a really, no. really long toothbrush. No, the teeth, I mean, there's breath involved. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> I'd, I'd rather do do the massaging of the Irex. <laughs> just got pictures of you sitting on an Irex. <laughs> just sit there going, mm. <laughs> totally fine. I mean, I I pet my cat every day. How different can it be? Ah, uh, there you go. Indominus is right. just like a very very big cat. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you were to put, if sorry, if you was to be put into one of the films, mm-hmm. what one would it be, and why? My gosh, Jurassic World! I would love to visit the park open and see those dinosaurs and not have to run for my life until the very end ish. But for a moment, I'd be able to see everything and Hammond's dream and how it was supposed to be built. And I would be able to experience that 100%. Oh, excellent. Yeah, no, to be fair, I can see. Yeah, it is It's always something that ever since the first film, I'd always wondered, like, what if that park was open? Like, would it mm-hmm. look like that? But I think the way they designed it, 
it as as an actual park, it would have worked ten times better than what Jurassic Park would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'd love to see the in-between years of them actually building it and putting it together and figuring That'd out cool. how to make it work. There's definitely room for a like a, a Star Wars style spin-off film. There, yeah, just, comics, all kinds of things. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think that'd be yeah, pretty cool. Right. Anyway, Steve, come, Justin. Okay. Ingen are famous for cloning. How would you feel about if they were to clone an army of Malcolms? If no. not. If not Ian Malcolms, then who would you like to see an army of? Oh my goodness, I don't know. Like people? Any people you mean? Yeah, anyone from the Jurassic Park franchise. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, you know I what? Know I, would... you're, I know you're going to clone. I'm trying <laughs> to stay away from the obvious. I mean, yeah, I would love a million Claire's. That would be amazing. <laughs> but from a... I guess from a realistic standpoint, you know, I wouldn't mind cloning a lot of Grant because he, he, he loves what he, what he does and he, he knows his stuff and that's kind of a dying thing. And so if we had a million of him really look, uncovering dinosaurs and searching for him, it wouldn't be a dying breed of people that do that. So I'd go with, <laughs> with Grant. Aww, Although, no. you know, I would love to pick Claire for obvious reasons, but logic, Grant. <laughs> and don't forget that we've got uh, Dennis Nedry as well. Oh yeah, why would I? <laughs> Just a million Hawaiians. <laughs> That's nice. Oh my gosh. No, and no Mal- no Malcolms either. That's too much. Uh, question from me. Why have you never seen The Lost World? Pretty much the greatest movie ever made. I don't know. I don't even have an answer because I was three when Jurassic Park came out. And mm-hmm. I never saw it in theaters, but it was always on TV. Now, for some reason, The Lost World, I guess my parents thought I was still too young, so I'd be, what, eight or so. And so they didn't take me to see it, and it never really was on my TV. My my dad never really showed it, so it's my parents' fault, I guess. <laughs> and then <laughs> as I got older, I mean, I never grew to it because I had no sentimental feels, and Jurassic Park was everywhere. And then Jurassic Park 3 was finally my age group to see it in theaters. I don't know how old I was, 10, 11, something like that. And that's old enough to see it. So Lost World just fell in the cracks for my age group, I guess. I don't know. But it has, like, nothing made you want to go back to it? Like, because you, you must hear everyone sort of rave at how much they like the film. Like, don't be wrong, it has its flaws, just like all of the other three do. Um, but um, as a... As a I think it would be a good preparation for the new film coming out because it's a it's a very dark sort of look towards Hammond's creations. Well, I've seen I've seen bits of I've seen bits of it, if not the whole film in pieces, because it's always on TV and it's been here. I mean, I know a lot of the scenes and I think I know what happens kind of for the most part. I just never sat down and watched it from beginning to end, but I, I know the feel of it. I know it's darker. I, I do have a good grasp, I guess, of the scenes in general. But so I have that part down, maybe. But the whole movie, yeah, I never, I, I don't have a desire to see the whole thing. You need the, parts, yeah. the parts I've seen don't really intrigue me. I don't know. They don't really interest me that much, the parts that I have seen. So I don't know. The dialogue alone is just great. This is when you hang up on me and we end everything because I'm being shunned yeah. from the <laughs> well, I've got, I've, We've got another seven or eight questions. I am considering it. 
<laughs> you should have saved that one for last, so at least you I would have had it actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, the last one's better. Don't worry, the last question's better. Um, okay, Steve. Oh, so I think it's your question, isn't it? It is, yeah. So they used um, trank darts against the Tyranodon scene in Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened to the bodies after? Because obviously, in the end battle, the whole of Main Street is clear. There's nothing around. Do you reckon they just cleared it up or left them to wake up on their own? Oh, me and Brad had a really good discussion about this, and I don't remember what my good answer was. <laughs> so I'm going to try to make up a, another good answer. Probably doesn't match my original, but I think we decided that Hoskins people come in and just like dump them, dump their bodies in the lagoon, and the Mosasaurus eat them. Hmm. Good theory, actually. I've never heard that one. Maybe no. I need to go back and listen to that episode because I didn't think you. Um, that might not that. actually be in the episode. I could have just made that up now, <laughs> thinking I put that in the episode. But I, I like that. I like. I, I know Hoskins had something to do with our scenario, but I like that he he either picked them up and put them somewhere, or he probably has no value for them, dead or out or anyway. So he just put them in the lagoon, and they got all eaten up. <laughs> Right, my question is a simple yes or no answer. There's no maybe or buts or anything. <laughs> it's yes or no, okay? Yeah, yeah, or no. Okay, yeah. Do you feel ashamed <laughs> to, have, <laughs> to, have, to have JP3 on v- VHS or DVD and not The Lost World? No, oh, I don't feel ashamed. Okay. I don't. I, I, okay. like, I saw JP3 in theatres and I got it for Christmas and... No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, w- I will. I will turn you. You will be a Lost World fan. <laughs> okay, good uphill battle for you there. Okay. Mm. And don't forget the scenes with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in the Lost World. Oh yeah. Oh right. Right. Yes. right. Forgot about them once. She was a child in it. Yeah, so, somewhere <laughs> towards the end. But you got to watch it from the start. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could you run like Claire in Hills? Yes. You can. Very easy. Because I, I had to do it a couple times, not against, not from a T Rex, but I'm late for everything. <laughs> I'm late for everything I do. Like I was even late for this podcast almost. I'm late for everything, so I'm always running. So no matter what shoes I'm wearing, and it feels a lot of the time, yes, I, I run frequently in them. Not like full speed T Rex run, but I I do it enough. Okay, so it's I could That's do quite it. a skill. I don't think I could do that. I'd be a bit worried, actually, if I was doing that. (laughs) Give it a go, James. Give it a go. (laughs) Another time. Another another conversation. Um, Okay. (laughs) Right, this is one of these disgusting questions that, um, yeah, be warned about. If you had to, would you sniff John Hammond's ear or lick... One of Nedry's sweat drops. Oh, that's that's easy. I would absolutely sniff John Hammond. He's an adorable old man, and I love old people. <laughs> I love old people so much, and they just smell oh, like no. experience and joy, and they love puppies. And what sniffing so, yeah. right in the ear hole, like right inside? That's still okay because none of him is being absorbed into my body like it would be with the other one. He might have earwax that might flip up your nose. 
No, no. <laughs> I'm not saying Nick Nedry's sweat drops are a better option. <laughs> no, old folks have pretty good ear hygiene because they're like losing their hearing at this point, so they take care of their ear hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a great answer. Uh, you managed to get out of that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right. So the next one's a bit of a trickier one. These are mm-hmm. quick fire questions. Oh no! So, we did. We saw how good I did on that last. <laughs> <laughs> These are basically the first thing that comes into your head. Has she got okay. time on this one, Steve, or not? Do we do um, thirty seconds again? I think so. <laughs> okay. It's right. It's more pressure on me to think of things for thirty seconds. Okay, don't do that then. Don't do thirty seconds. Just fire some, and then we'll see how far she gets. How good she does. Or should we go back and forth, James? I do one. You do one. Okay. Okay, you ready? Ready. John Hammond. <laughs> ear pursed ears. <laughs> <laughs> Jungle. Green. T Rex. Oh, adorable. Raptor. Loud. Spinosaurus. Ew. Robert Muldoon. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> Because <laughs> he, he's like into he's into what he does. I'd say he's idiot like comes to mind. Aggressive. Yeah. I don't know. Ronan Tembo. What? I don't know why you haven't seen the Lost World. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Innovation Center. Oh, amazing. Visitor Center. Feels. Brachiosaurus. Oh, Jurassic Park music. The Kirby's. Annoying. <laughs> Billy. Oh, Laura Dern, I love her. Love her. Baby Indominus. Can I give it a massage too? Oh, <laughs> this is a little baby. Yeah, cat. Zach and Gray. Um, average, meh, okay. Meh. Ben Hildebrand. I don't know who that is. Oh, wait, do I? You should. It's not the Mm. Lost World. Is he from the third one? He is indeed. Right at the beginning. On the parachute. Oh. Oh, right. He's that character I couldn't think of when I was doing the, the lightning round there. Eh. Forgettable. <laughs> good last good, yeah. Tim and Lex. Um Jello. Nedry. Oh my gosh, the squeezy thing, that stress toy. <laughs> I want that. Perfect. So we can take a lot away from that and Yeah, I'd say you was probably better at that than you were the first ones. Yeah, these yeah, was the timing. characters on. Yeah, definitely. If you'd have done the timer, it would have been a mess. It would have been. Oh, we should have done the timer now, Steve. Oh, Oh, well. (laughs) Okay. If you could make a hybrid dino, what would it be made of? And what would you name it after? Oh, that's tough. Um, Well, okay. I always liked a stegosaurus. Mm -hmm. And my dad always liked a triceratops. So we'll put the triceratops head... Stegosaurus uh, back 
And then the tail, um, um, oh, my goodness, what's the dinosaur with the big tail with the big ball at the end? Ankylosaurus. Yes, that is a tail. And that, that would be my dinosaur, and I would call it Harry. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you can't just call it Harry. <laughs> so it'd be called a, a Harryosaurus. Yes, it would be adorable. It would be great. Okay, if anyone wants to feel free to draw this uh, Harryosaurus. Um, oh, so you can have raptor claws, like the raptor feet. It would be greatly appreciated. Raptor claws? Yeah, like the raptor claws. Okay, so we have the trike head, a stegosaurus back, and Kylo tail with the raptor claws. In the front, and then the brachiosaurus feet in the back, but not <laughs> <laughs> poor bastard. Not not actual size, brachiosaurus no, feet. Just the, the the stump thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's called a Harryosaurus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right, Steve. Right. This is my final question. And um, we spoke with this with our previous guest, and this is the Spinosaurus fan, and we just need to know if a T-Rex and a Spino was to meet and fight, who would win, and what's your reasons behind it? Always the T-Rex, always, and if not, like, then a raptor would just come running to epic Lost World music that people have told me that that's what that is. <laughs> and save the day. To oh dear, that's wasted on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on, carry on. Sorry. What? What was you saying? Sorry. I was just oh, no, down. that's that's it. Just that T-Rex would never lose because then some kind of Lost World music would play and then a dinosaur would come in yeah. and, and and save him. That's why Jurassic. That's why Jurassic Three failed. There was no Lost World music coming in. There was no extra dinosaur. That's it. Perfect. Where they went wrong. Perfect answer. Perfect answer. You are now. Uh, you you you're almost almost. Uh, we're classed as a as a as a true fan. Now, after that, Ooh. you've just, gone up up as up a level. Just one more step we, to we, go. One more step to go. <laughs> and if you if you pass this. Then you pass the pop quiz and uh, will be classed as a Jurassic Park fan. Oh man, do I get a trophy? Um, a invisible make-believe one. Made of real gold and silver and expensive Of course, things. of whatever you like. Yes. Yes. But it's more about pride. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's two more questions. My first one is I want you to quote word for word. The God creates dinosaur speech that Malcolm says in the car to Ellie. Oh man, okay. Let me think of it in my head. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot here. Okay, so God creates dinosaurs. Oh, um, man, wait. Yep, man. God creates, no, isn't it God creates man, man creates dinosaurs. Uh, <gasps> Go man, back. Then man destroys God at one point here. Okay. Uh, hold on. Think God, okay, God create. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Oh, you're so. That's I know I am. That's in perfect I'm, order, but you're missing something at the beginning. Okay, hold on. Because man doesn't create God. No one creates God, right? He's just there. No, but what creates dinosaurs? Man creates dinosaurs. God, does God create? Oh wait, no! Oh, oh he, there's a step in 
there. Okay, God creates <laughs> dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. Man destroys God. Man creates oh, dinosaurs. Oh, again. Oh, crap. Hold on. Okay, was I close? Like, was I there? Okay, um, yeah, nearly, nearly okay, there. Um, you can do it. Um, did did the other guy get this or no? Am I am I close? Wait, this okay, is the first uh, time we've tried it. Ah, uh, we'll uh, have to okay. keep this in. So, so God, God, uh, oh my gosh, I'm all mixed up now. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Yes, yes. Man creates dinosaurs. Yes. Dinosaurs eat man and women inherit the earth. Yes! Woo! Yes! <laughs> <You did it. laughs> yes. After well like three, five tries. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you did it though. I'm very proud. Thank okay. you. Thank you. And this is your final nail in the coffin of success. Okay. And we'll put it away forever. And we the won't ever. We won't, yes, we won't ever judge you and. We'll let, let you off of the Lost World lack of watching. Oh, this is okay. a biggie. It yeah. is. <laughs> will you watch the Lost World by the next time you're on Brad's podcast? Yes oh or no? Oh my gosh, I will never be on his podcast again in that case. Can I lie? If you feel that you can live with lying. Because <laughs> I'm probably not going to see it. If, that guilt, if, the, if the guilt doesn't overcome you, then of course you can lie. Okay, then I, I I probably will not see it before I'm on Brad's podcast. I don't know when I'm going to be on next, but I probably will not be seeing Lost World before then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. two hours. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> two hours of your life. Oh, you won't man. regret, I promise. There's the, the whole San Diego scene alone is worth watching the film for. I, I have seen it. I remember him stomping on the cars and stuff. And it's at night. Yeah. I, I have seen it. Okay, we'll let you off. It's fine. Steve, do you think she's done well enough to pass this test? It's a tough one, isn't it? But yeah, I think I think it's good. We had some good answers. Yes. <laughs> we had, we did have some very good. And to be fair, you absolutely smashed one of the answers. As much as you messed up <laughs> quite a few times on that last one with the God's Greatest Dinosaurs, you got there in oh, the end. Oh. Yeah. But. You uh, answered some very, very, very good questions, so well done. Oh, um, thank but, yeah. you. And that is episode two over. Uh, thank oh, you, man, Jen. I don't want to leave now. <laughs> like, I want like, 20 more. Let's go. Let's go. She's pumped. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for coming on, Jen. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was great. I'm glad you liked some of my answers. Would you, like, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you and speak to you online and... Um, sure. You can follow me at Jennifer underscore Lynn 89. And I run the Bryce Dallas Howard Network at BDH Network on Instagram, Twitter, and BryceDallasHoward.co is the website. And I'm there 24-7 of my life all the time. I never leave. So <laughs> you find me there. Uh, okay, Steve, it's over to you. Yeah, just um, again, thanks for coming on. Um, it's been a great talk. Uh, yeah, it was so much fun. Glad you invited me. Yeah, yeah. And we look forward to talking in the future. Yeah, I feel honoured to be. Yeah, we'll definitely have to. We'll have to um, get together on Brad's pod soon as like a group chat, maybe for the 20th anniversary or something for the 
Lost World. I don't know. I just realised what I said there. That wasn't oh, intentional. Well. That, wasn't, that wasn't actually intentional. <laughs> I guess I'm not invited to that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I scratched my invite. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Of course you're invited. You're more than welcome. Yeah, that, that would uh, be great if we could do that. That's fun. Yeah. Anyway, right. Um, okay, take care. See you later. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Chaos, do chaos theories, do chaos, oh chaos theories, do chaos, do chaos theories, do anything to get their hands on my information. My chaos theories. Greetings, diggers. Yes, we are all diggers of the truth. The truth that InGen doesn't want you to know. This is Travis Stevens, back with episode two of Chaos Theories, your source for the deepest, darkest Jurassic journalism that the internet can offer. Today's episode, something you probably all thought about. Kathy Bowman is Zara Young. Who is Kathy Bowman? Of course, she is the rich little girl from the beginning of the Lost World. She wanders just a little too far from her beach picnic and gets chomped by the comps. John Hammond lets us know she ends up being fine, so we know she makes it through the ordeal. Who is Zara Young? Zara Young is Claire's personal assistant from Jurassic World, the one who loses Claire's nephew, Zack and Gray, in the park while talking about wedding plans on the phone. The one who tragically becomes a Mosasaur hors d'oeuvre. Now I know what you're saying. Of course, we all believe this, but is there any evidence to support it? Number one. They are both female. Most viewers can agree both Kathy and Zara identify as female. Number two. Their hair color. Both Kathy and Zara have dark hair. Interesting. Both female, both dark hair. Coincidence? Oh, well then, how about this? Number three. Their accent. Both Kathy and Zara have a British accent. This trifecta of facts proves without a doubt they are the same person. Now, these facts might not be enough for a few of you. You might be asking pesky questions like, well, why are their eyes different colors? Or, Kathy's family seem pretty rich. Why would she need to work as a personal assistant? Or, why do they have different skin complexions? Or, why do they have completely different names? I will answer all of these pesky, nagging questions immediately. Let's go back to 1997. Kathy Bowman is somewhere in the range of 7 to 10 years old. We know that as of 2015, Zara is about to get married, putting her in the age range of 25 to 30. Both of these characters could easily have been born around the year 1990, give or take a few years. Their ages match perfectly. The thing that has always bothered me about this scene is also a linchpin for understanding everything. How is it? that a privileged young girl meets what is clearly a dinosaur and identifies it as some kind of bird. This thing doesn't have feathers, a beak, wings. It's not flying through the air. There's literally nothing 
birdish about it. This girl should have the best private education that money can buy, and she calls a dinosaur a bird. I did some investigating, and it turns out her family might not be as rich as they seemed. Her parents, Paul and Deirdre, were struggling financially, as so much of the British landed gentry had before them. Massive UK tax rates had turned the rich into paupers with impressive table manners. Paul even tells Deirdre to let Kathy enjoy herself for once. They're apparently too poor to give Kathy the simplest opportunity for joy. It's tragic. They had so little money they couldn't even send young Kathy to school to learn about things. Things like the basic differences between animal species. They couldn't afford the private institutions that suited their 1% tastes, and they were way too proud to send her to public schools with the unwashed masses. They were the perfect targets for one Peter Ludlow, who we know was looking for any way to take InGen from his uncle, John Hammond. Pete offered the Bowmans a ritzy yacht trip near Costa Rica, made sure the crew took them to Isla Sorna, also known as Site B, and boom, incident exactly as planned. Soon after, the Bowman settled out of court with InGen, a nice little payoff that easily covered the cost of Kathy's reconstructive surgeries, which slightly altered her physical appearance. The trauma of the experience even caused Kathy to develop an alternate personality, thus Zara Young was born. Of course, the Bowman family soon ran through the rest of the money from their payoff, and Kathy slash Zara started wearing green contacts as a sort of surface tribute to her family's financial heritage. She even developed her mother's taste for micromanaging the world around her as she grew older, being detail-oriented, and with her family's previous connection to InGen, Zara easily scored a job as a personal assistant to Claire Deering. Ever notice how Zara doesn't even look at the dinosaurs in the park? Is it total disinterest after having seen and been around dinosaurs for years? Or a pathological fear of all dinosaurs after a horrifying childhood attack? Well, we certainly know what InGen wants you to think. Ugh, I just spotted an all too familiar blue and white chopper on the horizon, so I'm gonna need to cut this short but I think I've proven my point. Once again, this was Travis Stevens for Chaos Theories. Keep digging for the truth. Who's got some change? He takes quarters. I got like, I got a buck. I got a buck ten. How'd you get it? You don't want to know. Who name it? We got it. Where did you get that? I got it on eBay. Then they're expensive. Put them back. He's a digger. Muchacho, let them move. I had a promise to conduct a very thorough on-site inspection. And get stuff in the sale. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I got it for $150, but we'll pay it. And then there's the merchandise. And I can personally... Donald, Donald, this park was not built to cater only for the super rich. That first park was legit. I could write all kinds of numbers on this check. I remember that on InGen's list. It's because it wasn't on their list. This fossilized tree sand, which we call amber. Hello, Jurassic fans. What's going on guys here with another segment of Amber Finds and well we're getting close to one of my favorite movies out of the series and I, I know if you guys have been listening to Amber Finds you guys know very well that 
I am a huge fan of the Lost World Jurassic Park. And the anniversary is coming up. It's, it's crazy to think it's been 20 years since Lost World has come out. So it was 20 years ago on May 23rd, 1997 that I was in line waiting to watch this movie. Waiting to see this spectacle that I was just uh, super excited about. I was with my cousin. I think my, I'm not too sure if my sister, my little cousin was there, but I'm pretty sure, I, I, I know that my one cousin was there and his dad, my uncle, who took us. And the line was ridiculous. It went around twice, I think, around the theater to get in there. And it was on Memorial Day. And, you know I mean, he, my uncle much rather would have taken us later in the week, but I wanted to see it in the premiere. And I convinced my cousin to tell his dad that he wanted to see it to, in the premiere as well. So that's how we spent our Memorial Day weekend in the morning. Like the Memorial Day, I mean. In the morning, we spent it with the Lost World. And leaving that theater, I was completely left in awe, and I loved it. I loved every scene. I, even the controversial ones that people seem to talk about that takes them out of it. I loved all of it. Lost World is my absolute favorite. And Malcolm is my absolute favorite character. And now, you know, uh, spoiler warning, if you haven't found out, I'll give you a few seconds to, uh, you know, fast forward. <laughs> then Malcolm is back he's back to Jurassic World 2 and it's amazing to have him back and it's <laughs> I, I don't think I've had I, I, I've stopped celebrating his return so in light of the Lost World and its anniversary coming up the next uh, couple Amber Finds are going to be short but they're going to be really cool because I'm going to be talking about all Lost World items. And the ones that we'll be talking about today in particular are ones that I received on my birthday not too long ago from my really good friend, um, DC Villain. That you've probably seen him on my uh, Instagram here and there and on my Twitter feed. Good guy, one of my best friends. And... Uh, he always knows what's to, what to get me Jurassic Park, Jurassic World-wise, Lost World. He knows Lost World is my favorite, and he was able to pick up some of these really, really awesome items. So, let's dive in into the Lost World Jurassic Park. Alright? So, what do we have here? You see, before Hasbro came out with their puppets those foam things that we uh, you saw destroyed in every store we went to you know you couldn't go to the store and see these uh, things survive they were they were very cheaply made they were these foam puppets that would get ripped up real easily Lost World perfected that they came up with puppets too but they were rubber puppets and these things will they outlast <laughs> you know what I mean so what we have today, we have four boxes of finger puppets. And finger puppets, what do you mean finger puppets? Well, finger puppets of the dinosaurs. That's right, we have 
action figures that's what it's being called on here designed for play with action figures and play vehicles and you actually could if you didn't have the dinosaur you can actually use the head of these like the the finger puppets and it was basically the head of the dinosaur with the the front limbs so you would have a t-rex with its front little limbs or a velociraptor with its long front limbs as well um so these things were designed to be able to play with your action figures of Kenner and um, they weren't produced by Kenner they were produced by a company called Resaurus Company Inc. Columbus Ohio well that's the address on there but they were produced by them um, this but they had the look entirely of the Lost World dinosaurs the the rex was always green in these puppets and um it went with like the marketing the marketing had the rex really really green he was like super green you know um so the packaging on these are beautiful they got that green like like that very light uh i'd say like almost like a lime green kind of thing going on that you saw in some of the packaging but it um it has the lost world logo on it it says i am or I'm a finger puppet on it something has survived visit the lost world on the web at lostworld.com um, at the top site B because everybody knows site B means lost world um, so you know site A Isla Nublar so we have these like really cool looking puppets and like you could use these to play with your action figures if you didn't have the actual dinosaur and one dinosaur that was very difficult to get was um, the Carnotaurus, the Bone Crusher one. That one, for some reason, is very uh, difficult. And it's an ugly looking guy. But, you know what I mean? He is one of the rarest ones. And I have both the Carnotaurus. I have the Lost World one, and I have also the, the Jurassic Park one, the Demon. You know? Both uh, really ugly looking sculpts, but beautiful in their own way <laughs> get a little sort of appreciation for them even though they're ugly but um so in these action finger puppets they have uh, one case I have here is the baby t-rex and the male t-rex and the baby rex looks like the baby rex like they all look like their dinosaur counterparts in the movie it's really cool that the sculpts are done very well and um the baby rex has like this kind of light amber brown type of color with a little bit of green added on a gr green tint onto its back um the male t-rex is this very dark green with black on him and he looks very menacing and my next package i have um a Parasolophus and he's got like a yellow tint he's got the stripes from like the toy but they're like orange with brown and, but he looks really cool it's almost like he's uh you can make him like a, a variant or whatnot if you wanted to play with them and you got the Velociraptor and the Velociraptor comes in the classic Jurassic Park look he has that brown like orangey color but almost, you know what? It actually kind of looks like the Lost World version of the original Raptors. And it's got black and, and very green eye. We have the other one, which is uh, Pachycephalosaur, which looks very much like the Lost World one. It has somewhat of the same coloring. And it has a Carnotaurus, which is great. And then 
my friend actually got me very cool packaging error which is supposed to have another pachycephalosaurid another carnotaur but it has two carnotaurs on it so this one's probably a rare packaging error that i have with me in my collection now which is great now on the back when you look um you get you know the card Cardstock in the back, you get like what you're gonna get next, and the colors are very different from what the product actually is, and that happened with a lot of Lost World stuff. They, a lot, a lot of the like pictures that they put on the packaging were a lot of prototype colors, and you have a T-Rex finger puppet, the Velociraptor finger puppet, um, the Triceratops, which I don't have, which is the next one I'm gonna try to look for now that I have these in my possession, and. Um, you know, the Paras, Paki, Carno, and Baby T-Rex. But what's cool, you have a picture of, like, these kids, like, like, 90s kids, you know, just, like, playing with the finger puppets to, like, get these, uh, get these guys off this car. And it has, like, these two figures that I've never seen before, probably prototypes. And, um, and it says, you can control my jaw and arms with your thumb and fingers. <laughs> it's really cool. Design for play with action figures and play vehicles. Play at your own risk. Uh, it's it's awesome. And um, it's great. Like, uh, I love these things. Um, I never had the finger puppets growing up. You know, I never had these guys growing up. But I did have the hand puppets. And I had a full T-Rex body hand puppet. I don't have it anymore. I, it's one of the things that were um, that was stolen during my time where I lost a lot of items. Um, and but I got back at, at a con not too long ago. I got the large T-Rex hand puppet, which roars, and the large Velociraptor puppet. And they're like larger versions of these little smaller finger puppets and they're very highly detailed they're beautifully painted and from anywhere that you look it is a jurassic park dinosaur you can tell from far away this is a jurassic park velociraptor and a jurassic park t-rex and they're awesome dude like they're really great to have and now to have these four little guys here is so great um well I'm going to leave it at that for this Amber Finds episode because, like I said, I'm we're celebrating Lost World this entire month. So get ready for some more Lost World items. For now, I'll see you guys, all right? Till the next time, Jurassic fans, on the next Amber Finds. And now let's listen to part one of four of the making of the Lost World. Mommy's very angry. This is the pit and snake man. No, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Is that good? You find it. Fantastic. Just the parts they didn't like. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Hang on, this is gonna be bad. <laughs>
What are you? Little bird or something? Are you hungry? Take a bite. I had always sort of wanted to do a sequel to Jurassic Park. Because I thought that both by popular demand and also because I just had such a great time making the first film that I kind of wanted to revisit the past a little bit. But just say one thing, because I want to hear it one more time before you leave. I want you to say, welcome to Jurassic Park. I want to hear that once. I, I just got it. It's my own pleasure. It's an adult. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> I, just, I just had to hear that again. <laughs> It was really the story that compelled me to, to, to make this movie. If I really hadn't found a story I was interested in, uh, this film would have just been a, a nice memory, the, the first one. So it was really, uh, you know, sitting down with Michael Crichton, and Michael wrote, you know, the story in his book, and then David Kep came in and did a wonderful screenplay, and, and I, it was, it's a good adventure. It's a lot of fun. When Michael told me that he was going to write a book uh, and he was thinking about calling it The Lost World. I immediately was thrilled because I'm a big fan of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's book, The Lost World. And even though these two subjects bear no resemblance to each other, the idea of being inside a prehistoric world that exists somewhere in this world today, and not behind electrified fences, not a theme park or a ride, but actually a jungle of dinosaurs in the wild, living without the intervention of man, that really compelled me. And I thought, wow, what a great, what a great story. Right, so you say shoot him, and he says, look, they're just protecting their baby, and you're saying, so am I. Absolutely. I think Stephen was the first person I met in the movie business. It was in 1970, and Universal had bought the Andromeda strain, but they hadn't begun production. And one day I just drove up to Universal and met the production person who was supervising the project, and she said, would you like to see the studio? I'd never seen a movie studio, I had no real idea. And I said, yes. And she said, well, we have this really talented young man that we think is very wonderful named Steven Spielberg. And they had him come and he, he took me around the studio and showed me what it was. And he was about to do a uh, night gallery episode with Joan Crawford. Thank God for Site B. Site B. All the characters in The Lost World are based loosely on real people. Hammond, I suppose, has that quality that um, the people who are trying to attract venture capital have, in, in the novel anyway, which is a, a certain unscrupulousness. And by now we have a complete ecological system on the island with dozens of species living in their own social groups without fences. Without I really wanted to do the dark side of Walt Disney. Don't worry, I'm not making the same mistakes again. No, you're making, you're making all new ones. Lost World. He is the same man, but he's somewhat chastened. He's somewhat tempered uh, by what has happened before. But the te old temptations and the old adrenaline comes up again, and he takes risks again. Public opinion is the one thing that I can use to preserve it, but in order to rally that kind of support, I need a complete photo record of those animals alive and in their natural habitat. He says he's going to send some people on land, a few people, which I say is a horrible idea uh, uh, to sort of document them. I say people can't mix with dinosaurs. It's going to be bad for the people. 
So he says, well, you know, it's too late because your girlfriend, Julianne Moore, Sarah Harding, the paleontologist, is already there. She didn't tell me. She knew I would have stopped her anyway. She went down there, and, and she's there by herself. And that's why I go down there to get her out of there. This is magnificent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. I think the Malcolm character in this film was much more of a sort of constructive force in moving the adventure forward as opposed to in the first film, Malcolm was along for the ride and, and he was kind of the critic. He stood around and, and, and badmouthed everybody and told everybody where they were wrong and he was right in declaring everyone else wrong. But he was kind of along for the ride. In this, in, in, in this sense, he's leading the journey in the lost world. Sarah, when Hammond called you, uh, why didn't you say something to me? Because I knew you would have stopped me from coming. Dr. Harding is a paleontologist who's been sent down to the island to, to study the animal's behavior. So she's part of a team of four. And she's just there to study the nurturing habits. Stephen said, I think this movie is about hunters versus gatherers. Um, and that simple statement gives you, you know, makes a writer's mind really whir because you can think of lots of characters on each side and how they would very naturally come into conflict. You have a bunch of different characters with strong objectives uh, thrown into a very serious situation. Um, and people aren't being polite. They are trying to get their objective across and also try to survive. And so, you know, it's very high stakes here on this island. We're stuck here, ladies and gentlemen, and stuck together, thanks to you people. We came here to watch. You came to strip mine the place. Back off. At least we came prepared. When you put together, you know, a, a one group of, of uh, harvesters, called the hunters, and another group of dinosaur advocates, it's more than just running from dinosaurs. It's a lot of... Uh, you know, pretty good emotional human drama in this one. Rex just fed, so he won't stalk us for food. Just fed? I assume you're talking about Eddie. You might show a little respect. The man saved our lives by giving his. Then his troubles are over. My point is the predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. Roland Tembo, last of the philosopher hunters. By the time we meet him, I think, in the film, he's actually had enough of all that. He's done it all. He's, he's, he's tracked and shot everything that there is possible to track, except for the major prize. In the first movie, a lot of the, um, when people first went into the theater, what they were thinking was, uh, can they do the dinosaurs? Well, now they've seen the first movie, they know we can do the dinosaurs, so the, the audiences are quick to get jaded. So now the question is, sure, you can do dinosaurs, but what can you do with them? So there is a little sense of, you know, trying to make something more spectacular, more impressive, even than the first movie. Where's the wreck? Is it still behind us? We had a lot of wonderful stuff to mine from, from uh, uh, Michael's second book. But, uh, you know, also we threw in a lot of stuff of our own because, you know, you have to do that making the story your own a little bit. And Steven's got such a, a wonderful, fertile mind, especially for these sorts of action sequences. He would dream up just some fantastic sequences and say, how on earth are you going to get this into the story? prepare a production of this size, you just can't throw this together in a four-month normal prep for a normal drama or comedy. You really need months and months and perhaps even years. And so I began prepping the movie 
I'd say officially 12 months ago, and began sketching and designing some of the sequences about two years ago. Steven invited the storyboard artist and myself to uh, uh, dinner, and we just started storyboarding one of the scenes from the book, and then it just evolved from there. David Lowry and Stefan Deccan created a lot of the illustrations and the storyboards, not only in a 2D form, but three-dimensionally with on a video toaster that allowed you to look at images very crudely, but in a three-dimensional form on a monitor, so that we were able to determine whether things were going to be physically possible. kind of a whole filmscape or, or, or a sort of a landscape of what the film is going to look like from beginning to end. Stephen would create these wonderful ideas for sequences and storyboards and what we would do as a group, we would sit down, re review and analyze the storyboards. What we tried to do was to talk about the shots openly and see whether we could make slight adjustments in the framing of the storyboard so that we could you know, try and do shots practically rather than spending more and more money on, on CG. One of the things that uh, Stan Winston and myself got heavily involved in, in in both movies, Jurassic Park and Lost World, is trying to, to do the best animatronics possible. And when you're dealing with creatures as large as we're dealing with, you're moving lots of weight. And that becomes a real problem. Smaller creatures can move and stop and start more fluidly than something that weighs eight, nine, ten thousand pounds. So with my crew and Stan's crew, we got together and tried to really research the latest technology in valving of hydraulics and how to counterweight and how to make things move as smoothly and as steadily as possible. The head will be able to dip down and yeah. sway and all that. Sure, goes side by side a bit like this. Is that what you want? Yeah. And that's what it can do. Yeah, it needs to do that too. Always do that. It's real simple. <laughs> well, we certainly wanted to raise the stakes, you know, where Stan Winston was concerned because Stan himself wanted to be able to retool all the animals and give them even even more smooth, you know, you know, you know, lifelike, animal-like movements. Uh, I thought he did an amazing job in the first one. But Stan, as an artist, is also not satisfied with with himself, and he wants to improve on his work. And he had a chance, an opportunity, to make dinosaurs that were even more lifelike in, in the mechanical field. And he, and he really did did that. For me, the magic is you not being aware of the technology. You not you as an audience not being uh, able to differentiate between the live action world and the CG world. And I was concerned uh, that possibly because of everything, all of everything that everyone had heard, that Lost World would go completely to the CG world, but it didn't, and I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. It would be neat if we could have these guys going Oh, really fast, like really fast. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. That's a, gotta do that. The first part of the process is doing our research, talking to paleontologists, reading all of the research, looking at all the research we can find uh, to be uh, paleontologically correct, then hit the drawing boards and start drawing the new dinosaurs. Once the two-dimensional rendering is accepted by Stephen, then we move forward to the maquettes, which are three-dimensional uh, sculptures of the dinosaurs, and once those are signed off, we go to full-size dinosaurs. 
when Stephen comes and gives his input and what he wants to see, that gets us that much more excited about what we have to do and the need to do more things. And then when Jack Horner comes in, and here is, you're talking about one of the great paleontologists and looks at something and says, that's it, that's, that's the way it would be, and gets excited by looking at our dinosaurs, that excites us. When people ask me, you know, what's a, what's a dinosaur really look like? Where can I see a dinosaur? I tell them to go see the movie Jurassic Park, right? I don't tell them to go to my, muse my museum. <laughs> I mean, what they actually look like and what they, what they were like all the information is here. You have to make sure that the movie's credible. And Jack was very influential in what I would like to call the design and research phase of, of The Lost World and Jurassic Park. He came in and worked with us um, on the designs of each of the dinosaur characters and was involved with the authenticity of the movement of the characters with ILM and with Stan Winston. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 97th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a huge thanks to James and Steve for another edition of Jurassic Pop Quiz. I really, really do love that segment, and it was great to get a podcast regular Jen on the hot seat. Thanks for joining in on the fun this time around, Jen, and uh, we'll hear from you again soon. Also, thanks to Travis Stevens for sticking it to the man and getting another great scoop from inside the Jurassic franchise. I think he's really onto something with this one here. But be careful, man. You don't want to get caught with all that juicy information. Stay safe. Of course, I can't forget Jay Jurassic and his great segment, Amber Finds, yet again another wonderful edition of his segment and I can't wait to hear what he has in store for the rest of the month. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed. This podcast wouldn't be anything without you guys. Make sure to check out the show notes for the links to all the contributors here today. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, just like everybody here in this episode today, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy!
Drop what you're doing and leave now.